Welcome to Prima's podcast. My name is Shonda Ragland. I manage the education and training programs at the Public Risk Management Association. Today, Rick Voden will discuss what you need to know about the Zika virus. Rick Voden is a risk management consultant at Marsh Risk Consulting. He consults for many of Marsh's colleges, universities, independent schools, and other arts and entertainment clients. Rick's specialties include program cost allocation models, risk profiles, loss cost containment practices, statistical and performance measurement, and campus safety, including special events and athletic liability. He is the risk control consulting practice leader for the Marsh Higher Education Practice. We will also be joined by Danica Williams, a member of Prima's education and training team. Danica will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the show. Rick, what is the Zika virus? The Zika virus is a disease that is primarily spread to people through the bite of an infected Aedes species of mosquito. Please give us a brief overview of Zika's history. Sure. Uh, the Zika virus was first discovered back in 1947, named after the Zika forest in Uganda, Africa. Over a 40-year period since it was discovered, there were only 12 human cases of infection recorded. However, since 2007, outbreaks of Zika have been reported in the tropical forests of Africa, Southeast Asia, the Pacific Islands, and now South and Central America and the Caribbean. And what are some modes of communication? Importantly, can the virus be transmitted from human to human? The Zika virus is carried by the Aedes family of mosquitoes. Uh, mosquito-borne illnesses are not unusual. Malaria is among the most common illnesses transmitted by the mosquito. Uh, dengue virus is another. Uh, like malaria, the Zika virus can be tr- transmitted from an infected mother to an unborn fetus or from one person to another through a blood transfusion. Unlike malaria or the dengue virus, the Zika virus can be transmitted from one person to another through unprotected sexual relations. A male that is infected with the Zika virus can transmit the germ to a spouse. The spouse can transmit the virus to her fetus if she's pregnant. Current research suggests that if the fetus is exposed to the Zika virus at any time during the pregnancy, the unborn child may develop a brain disorder called microencephaly. Tell us a little bit about some of the symptoms and ailments of the virus. The illness is usually mild with most common symptoms such as a fever, a rash, and joint pain, uh, red eyes, which will last for several days to a week after being bitten by an infected mosquito. People usually don't get very sick. In fact, the symptoms for about 80% of the population are minor. For this reason, many people may not realize they have been infected uh, when in fact they are. As a result of the outbreak in Brazil last year, Medical professionals have now linked Zika to a childbirth brain disorder called microencephaly, an abnormally small brain. And what is the relationship between the Zika virus and microcephaly and also the Guillain-Barre syndrome? Well, the Zika virus is an immune disorder, and it can affect the fetus of an unborn child. And the recent research that's been uncovered through the infections in Brazil indicates that the uh, the fetus of an unborn child is the primary exposure and their immune systems. Similarly, Guillain-Barre syndrome 
is an immune system disorder, and it appears that the uh, Zika virus through that immune disorder can impact on the nervous system of an individual. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. I would like to take a moment and invite you to join us at an upcoming Prima Enterprise Risk Management, ERM, training session. Prima will host an ERM training session in Albany, New York during the first week of August. Our last 2016 ERM training session will take place in Phoenix, Arizona, the last week of November. Here are some words from Prima's ERM faculty member, Robin Flint, regarding why risk management professionals should attend Prima's ERM training. An enterprise-wide approach to risk management enables a public entity to consider the potential impact of all types of risk on all of its entities' processes, activities, stakeholders, products, or services. Second, ERM enables a public entity's risk management initiatives to deliver outputs, including compliance with applicable governance requirements, assurance to stakeholders regarding the management of risk, and overall improved decision-making. Third, and what I deem as most important, participants will learn how ISO 31000, or ERM, aligns a public entity's risk management strategy with the organization's goals and objectives. To learn more about Prima's ERM training, visit primacentral.org. Now back to Rick and Tadika. What is the U.S. geographic distribution of mosquito populations? Well, there have been no cases arising from mosquito bites here in the U.S. as yet, at least not recorded. The virus is already here in the U.S. through travelers to Central and South America and the Caribbean. Uh, As of last Friday, there were 273 cases of the virus arising from travel to those affected areas. Six of the cases occurred from personal relationships. Nineteen of those cases involved pregnancies. At least one case of microencephaly of a child born in the U.S. has occurred. Infected mosquito population will eventually migrate to the U.S. by this summer. One of the fears is that an infected human will be bitten by the Aedes mosquito, take a sample of blood, and itself become infected, and then bite another human. That's one mode of transference between uh, the mosquito and human. One mode of transference from human to mosquito to human. An infected mosquito can lay infected eggs, and very quickly the infected mosquito population in the U.S. will emerge, and possibly well before mosquitoes actually migrate from Central America. You need to keep in mind that the Aedes family of mosquito does not reside in all 50 states. The South, Mid-Atlantic states are most at risk, though there are areas of the Midwest and Western states where the mosquito is also known to reside. Those are the states most at risk. Now, what can public entities do to help minimize the risk to the public? Essentially, uh, public entities, as an advocate for the public in general, can communicate with your constituencies regarding the potential ramifications of the infection. For your employees, you need to alert them of the potential risk of the mosquito bites and how they can protect themselves. In summer, shorts and t-shirts may be the normal work attire for some positions. All of that exposed skin increases the risk of a bite. It will be difficult, but you need to advise to wear long sleeve shirts and pants. Hats with mosquito netting will also help in those areas of heavy infestation. Advise your employees about the 
mosquito repellent and the difference between those brands intended for application to the skin, while others are recommended for use only on clothing. For your communities, be the public advocate. Spread the word about the potential risks of infection. For most, the potential for harm is minimal, but they could be a vector for transmission through blood contact. The real victim of this virus is the unborn fetus and a lifelong affliction. Last, work to identify potential sources for mosquito regeneration, such as stagnant pools of water and wetland, standing puddles on rooftops. Be prepared to ramp up your mosquito control programs. And finally, what are the insurance implications of the Zika virus? Well, the primary exposure in terms of insurance would be the personal medical benefits programs, medical treatment for those people infected with the disease, particularly the mother and unborn child who are affected. Second would be exposure to your workers' compensation programs. Although workers' compensation funds claims that arise out of the course and scope of the occupation, and typically flus and colds are not covered events for workers' compensation, there are certain circumstances where outdoor workers are exposed to this new hazard whereby in certain states it would be a covered workers' compensation claim. From a property's perspective, there's no known mode of transmission of that would reflect contamination of property. So that your property programs, with exception to those uh, few policies that may have loss of revenue coverage for certain special events, there's really no exposure to the property insurance program. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks so much, Rick and Danica. Please visit the Prima website to listen to other Prima podcasts, join upcoming Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about additional Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Have a wonderful day.